Welcome to Crash Chords Autographs. Today, Matt welcomes Danger Doll, a burlesque performer, producer, and cosplayer based in Brooklyn, New York. Danger Doll is the producer of the Comic-Con Vixens, the official burlesque show of the New York Comic-Con. She's also the producer of Raw Burlesque and of the Nerdlesque Festival. With Matt, Danger Doll chats about her start in burlesque, what goes into the process of creating some of her acts, and the difference between performing and producing. Touching upon her future endeavors and her grand vision for the future of burlesque, she explains how confidence plays a role in her art, and how it's been the fuel that propels her towards the next act. So without further ado, let's propel ourselves toward Matt Storm and Danger Doll. And welcome to another episode of Crash Chords Autographs. I, of course, am Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon, and I'm here with the one and only Danger Doll. Hi! Hi, Matt! Hi! Thank you for coming on my show. <laughs> Thank you for having me on your show. Um, I like this trend I have of interviewing people lately in, in or around the burlesque scene, since that's where my life has kind of lived mostly for the last four years or so. Um, I'm excited to have you on because I've been admiring your work for a long time now. Uh, I've gotten to work with you. Of course, I was the sound guy for RAR for a while. Yeah. and. Um, so I guess let's start with, because for those who don't know Danger, is a burlesque performer and cosplayer who I've known for quite some time, and costumer. Um, how did you first get involved in the burlesque scene? Okay, so I feel like this is the question everyone always asks, right? And sure. So the interesting thing is that I, I, feel like, I feel like a lot of people come at burlesque from this standpoint where they, they need to kind of learn to love themselves and they're kind of learning to love and like be okay with their sexuality and stuff sure and um and i I didn't come to it in that way i basically like i always kind of felt pretty good (laughs) about myself (laughs) which is an interesting thing so like i i had i i as a little kid i was very gender confused and didn't really um respond to female things at all and Mm -hmm. and was like super boy i was just a boy and i basically like learned to be okay with girl things when i hit puberty and 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 realized that i could get away with murder so i mean like if you can imagine me as a kid first of all like I all of my teeth are fake and uh, I have these <laughs> giant gaps in my teeth and when I was little not only did I sound even more like a cartoon pony but I was a cartoon <laughs> pony with a lisp I had, I had these like little chubby cheeks I was so like cute and my mom would put me in these little like cupcake dresses like when I was a little girl and I was just like there's no way anyone on earth could have ever taken me seriously and so like growing up everyone was like oh you're so cute you're so adorable you're so cute you're so adorable and I fucking hated it meanwhile i just wanted to be naked all the time and then like when i was in high school i i did month and a half long halloween where i did a different costume every day and i I was always super into theater musical theater and being naked and theater (laughs) and costuming and being naked and you know and so like i had all these things in my head and when i was seven i know i'm like jumping all around my age range but when i was seven i I think when I was seven, 
my best friend at the time, her name was Emily, and she showed me Rocky Horror Picture Show. Ooh, yeah, seminal like, for a lot of people. I was like, this is everything, and I, I related to it so much, you know, and... Um, like basically my sexuality is frankenfurter <laughs> right you know and there's just so much of that and i just I fell in love with rocky horror it became my my favorite movie that and monty python and the holy grail were my favorite movies and also robin hood men tights eventually is also one of my favorite movies Graham. and then also empire records because i was from new jersey who doesn't love well, empire records all right so that's where, like growing up but so rocky horror was the first thing that really like informed me as a human being and and um, you know, like, I feel like when I was 11 or 12, I had a Rocky Horror theme birthday party. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Who does that? Whose parents <laughs> let them do that? My parents were great. Basically, my, my mom is, like, the most amazing woman on earth. Um, and I just, I, it just came together so naturally, you know. And I went to this college. I went to uh, Brandeis University, which is full of Jews, and <laughs> I'm I'm a Jew if you can't tell from yes. my tiny cartoon pony voice, <laughs> and uh, and so you know at the start of the year when you're a freshman you go and they have like this extracurricular activities fair <laughs> and you can sign up for cheerleading or like rugby or like I don't know whatever like totally appropriate extracurricular activities you could and then in the corner was this like lone booth that was like bare just this table yeah. and, and with just a piece of paper that said rock your picture show and like a, a sign-up sheet and no one was even there and i was like well I'm going to sign up anyway because this is awesome. <laughs> so w my college had this Rocky Horror group, but it basically, at, when I was a freshman, the only people who were involved were this, like, one little friend's clique mm -hmm. of, um, like, seniors uh, in college. And they were, like, you know, like the BDSM, polyamory fucking crazy people, of course. And But they were all going to graduate, all of them. Mm -hmm. And I got involved, and I was, like, the only fresh meat, and I had this this long, down-to-my-waist, dark red hair, and, like, I, I did it within my first semester, and I was Columbia, and then, basically, they were just like, hey, do you want this? Because <laughs> we're, we're all leaving. leaving. Yeah. And I was like, yes! And I brought everyone else into it, and so, um, I don't know if you've ever seen a live Rocky Horror show. I have, yes. Okay. Yeah. So, I don't, I guess I don't know if all of them do this, but all of the ones I've ever seen and been involved with do a pre-show cabaret. Yes. Mm -hmm. so it's like 30 minutes of, like, dirty sketches and songs and bullshit or whatever. <laughs> and I saw my very first burlesque act um, in 2004. <laughs> yes, that's 12 years ago now. Right. Uh, I saw it as, as the pre-show cabaret thing for, for Rocky Horror, my first semester of freshman year of college. And... It was so bad, dude. <laughs> God, I hope they're not listening to this. I don't talk to any of them anymore, uh, except sometimes. Well, anyway, whatever. It doesn't matter. That's irrelevant. But basically, I saw this act, and it was it was to Hungry Like the Wolf. Uh -huh. You know that song? Yeah, of course. Sure. By Duran Duran. Hungry Like the... I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> 
So, very imaginative. It was a pair of people, a man in a wolf mask and a lady in a red riding hood cape, and they literally just chased each other back and forth across the stage, and every now and then they would stop, and clumsily the wolf would take off one of riding hood's pieces of clothing, and then they would just kept doing that for the whole song. It was just back and forth, back and forth, like with nothing else and no emotion, and it was like misogynistic and poorly made and boring and unimaginative and I was like I can fucking do that so much better and so I feel like it was the next semester the, these people had forgotten to get funding <laughs> for the for the show so I as part of like getting back the funds that we had spent I I was auctioned off to an audience member, so my first striptease was part of that, and we raised like 400 bucks or something, uh, which was pretty cool, but that was my first striptease, and then I I just, I kept doing it as part of Rocky Horror, and then um, eventually I started doing it for like fundraisers, for other things, and and, uh, punk shows, and like stuff like that, not very often, like four, maybe five times your tops. Right. And that was how I got into it. But I I stopped for a little while. I started dating this terrible excuse of a human being who who was one of those guys, you know, who's like, well, I don't think you're a whore, but no, no. <laughs> I think that everyone else sees you and thinks that you're just a big uh. fucking slut piece of shit. So maybe you shouldn't do that. He was a horrible human being. And uh, he was... He was abusive, let's just be <sighs> frank here, and I dated him for, for, I mean, like, off and on and, and with with issues for about three years before I finally was like, I need to escape. Mm-hmm. And I threw myself into burlesque, because this is me finding myself, I threw myself yeah. into burlesque because I knew he hated it so much, <laughs> and I was like, this is a thing I can focus on that he won't follow me to. Right. And that was very cool. But I didn't go into it needing to, like, feel like, good about myself I I like when I started doing burlesque I I felt very confident about my sexuality and uh, myself as you know as a body and as a performer and in fact I think um, many of the reasons why I do burlesque the way I do it is because since I spent my whole life being just kind of underestimated and and put as like the cute little girl Mm -hmm. uh when I started doing burlesque, I wanted to express all of my anger and all of like the pain on the inside. Sure, of course. Like a lot of artists. <laughs> I don't think do. I don't. I don't think you can get more goth than that. No. Uh, but so I, you know, that's why I do so much stuff that's very performance arty and and um, cerebral and fucking weird. I mean, cerebral and, <laughs> and, and fucking weird is a language I speak, and I mean, yeah. we've had we've had a, a a list of burlesque performers who all, all do that kind of stuff, and I think I'm more interested in that yeah. in burlesque. Like, And don't get me wrong, I love a good fan dance, I love classic burlesque, I think it's beautiful. Yeah. I think the thing that really interests me now that I've seen so much of it is the bizarre shit. Yeah. Um, like, for example... For those who are listening to this when it comes out, uh, a few weeks ago, Danger was the headliner at the Wasabasco Pirate Show. She was the final act, and she was a badass treasure chest. Yes. And so um, my question about that act specifically, because I had not seen that before that show, is with with a concept like that, do you come to a song first and then build a bizarre act around it? Do you come up with the bizarre act and then 
try and find a song that fits it? Like, what's the creation process for an act like that? Or any act, but that one is the one that comes to mind first. Oh, man. So, so... Uh, I I love classic burlesque. I do want to say that I think that it's amazing. And mm-hmm. and for a long time I I wasn't like that. And mm-hmm. it was a mistake. And when I figured out classic and what makes classic good, that really helped inform me better as a weirdo performance <laughs> artist. Sure. You know, it, it gave me a little bit more polish to like put my ideas in. And so you know we've we've talked about this. I'm I'm not primarily a dancer. I'm not right. a great dancer. I what I am is I'm a storyteller and I'm I make stupid costumes. <laughs> and so um usually I come at it from one of two ways. Either either I am given a concept or I, I find a concept and I I delve into that and from there I'll find the song and then just kind of lose myself or I'll find the song first and right. just kind of lose myself. Um, with like with that act, so I made that act um, specifically around knowing that I had to do this pirate show. And um, so this act is I'm, I'm basically like this huge treasure chest and then I rise out of it and I'm a mound of gold and treasure coming out of kind of like a sexy mimic from <laughs> from, from Super Mario RPG yes, and Dungeons yeah. and Dragons all that so that's like the stupidest thing I've ever said um, oh I don't believe that not <laughs> no for no minute. it's not uh, oh god but so so for this I had the concept first you know which was that Nasty Canasta approached me and she's like hey do you want to be the booty <laughs> in in this thing and she's like it doesn't like as long as you show your butt you know you're, you're kind of <laughs> whatever and you can play with the pun as much as you want and I was like all right that's a very easy thing for me to work with sure. and I could have gone campy and fun but I'm serious and nuts so I did something a little serious and nuts and so um I I knew immediately mm-hmm. I knew immediately that I wanted to to like be coming out of a treasure chest sure. amount of gold and so when I make my acts, I put almost too much thought into what's going on <laughs> with them. So the the premise of Buried Treasure is actually a really cool, interesting storyline that kind of works with within the context of uh, feminism and, and, you know, relationships and, and love and, you know, the pain that can be caused there. And so overthought. I'm not lying <laughs> to you. All right. So... So when you think about it, you have this this thing like gold and jewels and whatever is sparkling and beautiful and luxurious mm-hmm. and and worth so much, so much money, so much joy, so much pride for for whomever has the has the privilege of owning it. Sure. And you know, it takes someone with so much selfishness and so much greed to say, I want to take this stuff and I want to bury it away where no one can ever see it. They can't have it. They can't even think about it. They won't know that it exists. I want to take this gorgeous, shiny, like, jewels and gems and I am going to to put them in shadows where they can never shine again, mm-hmm. where no one can ever have the pleasure of knowing that they exist. And and I mean that that's a metaphor if I ever heard one, right? Sure. So, you know, the whole thing you have this map 
this map? Who fucking made this treasure map letting you know where this treasure is? Because that motherfucker didn't do it because he's right. hiding it. Why would he make a map? He's not using it. But anyway, you know, this treasure map, it's a whole other question. Right. This treasure map, one treasure map, one ragged, possibly hard to read treasure map. And if you are smart enough and persistent enough and you know capable enough you can use this map and it will be hard and there will be obstacles and you know you have to dig real hard and you're probably going to break all your fingernails off no. you know <laughs> but inevitably you find yourself able to bring back to life this this gold this this incredible treasure that's been hidden away so long you let it breathe again and at that point you know what what even happens and so that was kind of my storyline is you know this this treasure being you know allowed to breathe itself mm -hmm. into life again um and so for that like i made this act and i wanted it to be you know obviously very unreal i, I took a little bit of influence from both old showgirl costumes that were just like larger than life like right if you imagine um producers like springtime for hitler and mm, all sure. of the girls with the giant pretzels on their heads like yeah. kind of like that and um uh drag queens and and uh i wanted to take those elements and emerge them with like like the feral sort of primal instinct of someone who's been repressed for too long and mm -hmm. is finally able to act out um so I have, you know, that crazy makeup. I have this makeup. Instead of doing beautiful showgirl makeup, I do a sort of kind of giant X marks a spot thing where it's like gold glitter is like pouring out my mouth onto the rest of my body and, and I'm wearing this turban. You can't see my eyes until the end of the number, not mm -hmm. to ruin it or whatever. <laughs> but, you know... Uh, that that is is what so basically I, I knew I wanted this concept and I thought about the story and then it was a matter of finding the song and when I found the song which was legitimately this is so lame but I just searched Spotify for gold <laughs> and uh, and then the the first first like 10 songs I listened to and then I listened to gold by uh, Imagine Dragons yeah. and it was so perfect because it's primal it's got a great beat um, I really like slow sensual sort of intense rock mm -hmm. for my acts sure. like that's absolutely what i do most of the time and and imagine dragons now has given me like three songs that i really like that's the only one i've used mm -hmm. but um you know i don't like all of their stuff but but they have some really cool gems in there. Waka Waka, that's a treasure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. No, it's I'm so fine. sorry. And uh, yeah, so I heard it, and I was like, "This is." As soon as I heard it, it was done. As soon as I heard it, I knew that was the song. Sure. And then I listened to it over and over on repeat without listening to anything else. Right. For weeks, like hundreds oh, wow. and hundreds of times a day, I do. I do that. I let it seek into my ahead and just 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 take over my brain i do that with when i have an act in mind sometimes if the song comes first like i'll just listen to it thousands of times yeah while i i you know see whatever creature or fantasy you know is going to be born come come to life in in my brain and um and that's what i did with with this act and you know i made almost all of it like immediately and i made it maybe a month and a half before um the show oh wow 
But I made the treasure chest right before because I was traveling, sure. which is a terrible thing to do. So actually, when you saw it, it was not only my first time doing it on stage, but it was my first time practicing it in the entire costume. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, I had practiced in, in many of the parts, but not the the treasure chest, like, headpiece and, and skirt. Oh, wow. And so uh, it was just like you know, a real sigh of relief when it worked how I imagined it working. Well, that's always great. I'm sure that's that's always great. Yeah. Yeah. And and so that's, I don't know. I think what I like about you as a brother's performer that stands out to me from others is your costume work is very specific and very unique to you. Like, what I mean is you have the... And I can't remember the name of the act off the top of my head, but you wear this red sheer outfit that oh, event, yeah. it, where it's a fan dance, but it's a different take on it. And then you eventually pull out like these bone fans from within the red sheer, and, like that kind of a stuff, multi-layered things like your owl act with you, which you've redone not too long ago and, and yeah. changed. Like, I like that. It seems like your acts evolve and change. They're never quite the same. You're always looking to improve them or make them better or make them different. Does that come from just this just this need to do better and be better or is it because you feel like these things are just something that will evolve they're not a static art well it's it's a little bit of both right mm-hmm. you know as as an artist as a human being we're never perfect right you know there's never a moment in which you're like I, this is this is the pinnacle of my life and it's over you can just slip my throat now this, why even bother anymore you know i'm, I'm right. done i'm i'm the best it's not going to happen and i don't feel that way i'm very very critical of myself um in a, in a way that i think is productive not in a shitty way you know right. like i like myself very much but i also am aware of my faults and my flaws um especially as an artist and so you know as my costuming skills get better and as my um movement skills get better stuff like that you know and also as things sit in my brain for a little bit longer inevitably i figure out better ways to do things than they were the first time and mm-hmm. so you know they'll always improve meanwhile you know as i as a human being change and grow you know sometimes the storylines of these acts will also change and grow sure. in my head so um that's that's really it and i i think i think it's a good a really good thing like all those acts you mentioned are super overthought. The the owl one is really great because it it started out as a nerdlesque act, mm-hmm. um, and you know I have I have lots of very strong feelings about nerdlesque, um, which I love. Um, but so like that's an act that's I think a really great example of a storyline that changed over time because mm-hmm. it started out being you know, Hedwig or, like, a messenger owl from mm-hmm. from Harry Potter. Right. <laughs> and then from there, it just became something completely different. Mm-hmm. And I, I wound up, so it started out as a, as a black owl. I was like, there were so many reasons why I wanted to change that. One being a very um, practical reason, which is that an all-black costume fades into the night slash yes. your ba- black box theater. Yeah. And uh, that just sucks so bad. Uh, for everyone Uh, and it's also like really funny when you get back video and you're like I am a floating head Um, so I changed it to an an all white costume because then it I mean for one thing now it works as a Hedwig number Mm -hmm. which is sort of initially how I thought about it before I went more general messenger owl Mm -hmm. and also I incorporated a lot of the attitude of Jareth the Goblin King you know rest in the stars David Bowie Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, and, and that attitude and, and sort of, I feel like 
just changing the color that dramatically really changed how other people perceive the number. Sure. I remember seeing the white one the first time and I was just like, yeah. it just felt different. Yeah. So different. Yeah, it does. And I mean, and the choreography changed over time sure. too and improved a lot. And I'm really proud of that number. I think it is one of the, num I mean, it's one of the numbers I've had the longest. I've had that number sure. for like six years, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, and and I really, I really love it. It's also, it's funny because so like two of those numbers you mentioned are Pucifer backed tracks. <laughs> uh, you know, sh shout out to Pucifer. You make the best music for what I like to strip to, apparently. <laughs> um, they're so good. Maynard is just total genius. He is, um, yes. You know, and, and it works for me too because the songs what I really like about Pucifer is the songs are, are very intense and serious, but at the same time, don't take themselves seriously. Right, you sure. know? And I think that's just such an incredible quality that I have personally as an mm -hmm. artist. So, you know, it's no wonder that I'm inspired by them sure. to create. Um, but yeah, the Owl Act is backed by Pucifer. The the red sheer thing that you were talking about, which um, I I have titled Danger Dressed in Lace. Okay. Uh, that's my title. Some people told me they call it the jellyfish number. I mean, because it does of the way similar, the yeah. fans move. <laughs> um, so that one is also backed by Pucifer. Actually, that one's funny because the song I use is called Polar Bear, which is just it gets confusing because you have a polar bear. Act. I have an actual polar bear act. Which also has changed over the years too. It's the changed head's a lot. Gotten better and yeah, the whole costume got better. The head I didn't make myself. The right. first head I made myself, right. and, and it was fine, but a little creepy. And the <laughs> new head was a, a gift from an ex, um, which is awesome. And uh, you know, but the the whole like that costume I a hundred percent remade. Right. Um, as my costuming skills got better. That one is another one that is super funny because it started out as a nerdless number. For lost, <laughs> right? For lost. Of course. And so what I love about okay, so here's what I like about Nerdlesque is when you're when you're taking a character, especially a really weird one like that. Yeah. The polar bear from Lost, you know what yeah, I mean? Right. You have to think about like why is this character here? Right. And that one is great because the polar bears on that show, you're like Okay, for, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't really like Lost. I watched the first oh, couple episodes, and then I was, it. like, done with it. Yeah. I was like, this just sucks. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. It's true. But you I can did. send your hate mail to <laughs> Danger Doll. Send your hate mail to me. No, I'm kidding. Um, but uh, <laughs> so you're watching, like, they're basically just in the first episode. I think they make a reappearance once yeah. in the entire series. And it's just to show how weird the island is. Right. Do you know what I mean? You're like, why the fuck is there a polar bear on a motherfucking island? And it's literally just the most random thing, makes no sense, and then they're gone. Yeah. And you're like, well, that happened. They were there. Okay. So uh, I just I wanted to put that into my act. And that's why my act is just the, it's just the stupidest act. It's so silly, but I, <laughs> I like that I like the dimensions uh, of what you do and I think also I think what's important about you as a person is that you're dynamic and like since I've known you you've changed a lot and you've grown a lot and yeah. and I think also what I like is like you you've built 
you will burlesque around you to, to serve the needs that, that you need it for and to expand it. Like, very recently, within the last couple of years, you've been producing the only official Comic-Con mm. burlesque show. Yeah. Which I think is amazing, which which is a show where you debuted an act based on one of my favorite Marvel characters, Hawkeye. <laughs> Hawkeye. Um, Hawkeye? Hawkeye! Um, but I, I have actually a question about that in production, because, of course, you're a producer for Raw Burlesque, which I worked with you fo- on for a long time with uh, yeah. a dear love of both of us, Stella Chu. Yeah. And um, shout out to Stella Chu. What, what? <laughs> um, but um, how did you get involved with Comic-Con? How did you, and, and how do you approach producing versus performing? Because they're obviously not the same. And I know a lot of performers who do both. Yeah. How do you, how do you apply your skills and how do you approach producing versus performing? It's, it's completely different um, and, and interesting. So I... I have the wonderful quality of being extraordinarily anal retentive, <laughs> um, which is like basically the top quality you need for producing a show. And I, I mean, what happened with Comic Con is, um, you know, in 2014 we did the first Nerdless Fest, mm-hmm. which was really really fun and had a lot of problems, sure. but it's fine. And there. Um, me and Stella met uh, this producer out in Seattle named Jojo Stiletto, who mm-hmm. is lovely and produces lots of nerdless stuff out there. And she had been producing um, for Emerald City Comic Con, which is also um, run by Read Pop, just right. like New York Comic Con is. Um, so they had been starting to talk about doing uh, New York Super Week t- because New York Comic Con was getting so, you know, um, fancy and expansive mm-hmm. and, you know, Basically, they wanted to offer more, and and they were starting to realize, hey, adults like to nerd. (laughs) Maybe adults would like some nerd things that are adult-oriented. So, like, stuff at bars and, you know, stuff that is more, like, not, you know, when when you say adult-oriented, people always think about, like, porn. And that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, like, oriented towards people who don't want children running around screaming everywhere all the time. Right. Okay. And so burlesque is one of those things, and she was talking to them. And she recommended us oh, that's as great. producers that she she um, thought would be good to work with. And, that's awesome. you know, I'm very grateful to her for that. So they reached out to us. And um, so we produced shows for them so far in 2014, 2015. We're producing another one for them this year, uh, which I'm super excited about. Last year we were at Hard Rock Times Square, and we sold out. It was amazing. Um, you know, I, I am very invested in producing high quality shows. Mm-hmm. Um, Nerdlesque is an interesting thing because it's not just a niche art form, but a niche art form that draws from source material that already exists. Um, you know, people tend to look down on it as mm-hmm. being less original, which I think is wholly unsubstantial. You know, right. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that much Nerdlesque isn't like that. A lot right. of Nerdlesque is like that. Mm-hmm. and But that's not what Nerdlesque is. It's not what it's capable of being. What I love about Nerdlesque is that you can take these incredible, you know, sort of pop culture mediums and you use them as a lens to express the art that, you know, you want to express anyway. Right. So, you know, you're seeing me through Batman. You're seeing me through Hawkeye, you know? Like, right. you're not just seeing someone being like, I'm Batman! 
Batman. No, I'm <laughs> naked. Right. I mean, you're going to see that too at some point. Sure. But just like you're going to see mediocre classic and, and neo acts the same way. Sure. Um, so uh, producing a show that size, I, I have a couple things I try to do. I try to make sure that my promo is very professionally done. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, Estella is an incredible graphic designer. And she she's no longer a co-producer. She hasn't been a co-producer for about two years now. But, right. you know, she is still an incredible asset and a wonderful human being, my sure. best friend, whatever. Aww, you know, just, you, you know, guys. Just whatever. And uh, so, you know, she'll... I, I design like our monthly posters for stuff, but she designs the the big wig ones that uh, need more professional handling. <laughs> and you know, it's it's just about making sure that absolutely all of your bases are covered mm-hmm. and that they're covered far enough ahead of time that you know you're able to to plan for the inevitable, sure, basically. Of course. Um, so when I'm booking performers, for that show, for any show, I, I like to think that, you know, A, I'm, I'm not the star of my own show. Sure. Which is not how everyone sees it. That's um, very true. Which is also fine. You know, yeah. whatever, like, you're going to use your show as your platform. And sometimes right. you are the star of your own show. But for something like this, I'm not. It's not about me. It's right. about, you know, the product. And the product is, like, nerdlesque entertainment that people have never seen and a lot of these people who come to the show have either never seen burlesque Mm -hmm. or they've seen really really bad nerdlesque right um you know at a different convention done by like you know people who are doing it for a badge or whatever and pretending to be professional but they're not um so i hire like incredible professionals who are also huge fucking nerds yeah and really put a lot of thought into what they're doing um and I, I try and make sure that I'm basically like the shittiest thing in my show, <laughs> which is a thing that I learned from from uh, Doc Wasabosco. Sure. I took his producing class. I took Calamity Chang's producing class too, um, which was geared more towards like doing shows in small bars and stuff, mm-hmm. which is not really what I'm interested in. Right. Sure. So I I did. I mean, it was still very valuable, mm-hmm. but I felt like I I learned a lot more from Doc because he has a lot to say about larger type shows sure um and then that was the thing that he said that really resonated with me Stella and I both took it and and it it was you know make sure you're not the star of your own show Mm -hmm. unless it's literally a show about you 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 know like if you're doing a birthday show or something danger doll the show you know that would be a whole different thing than it really is I mean we'd all show up dressed as danger doll or oh my god that would be so good I want that I I would totally I would totally show show up dressed up as danger dude yes I miss him oh my god I miss danger dude um, I haven't done Danger Dude in way too long. So let's talk about that a little bit to change, not to sure. change the subject, but so like um, doing something like that, like Danger Dude. Where what inspired that kind of an act besides you know, and that kind of a persona besides just wanting to do it, of course. Well, so so here's the thing: is that um, you know, like I like I said when I was little, I didn't identify with girls at all. At all I right. I identified as a boy, and it's a, a really interesting thing in nerd culture. You know, women are often really upset about how there's no well, no, there's a little bit more, but especially when I was younger there were no, you know, female role models in, right. like, media. Sure. You know, everyone's kind of the damsel in distress or, like, the second in command yeah. that doesn't mm-hmm. get a lot of screen time, you know? Sure. Like, the hero was never a, a woman. And a, a lot of, like, girls have a problem with that, and it makes them feel confused uh, about, like, their, you know, whatever. But I 
never re- responded to it like that. Instead, I was like, I, I, I never even thought about it because right. I just felt like I was the guy hero. Yeah, yeah. I was the guy hero. I had, I mean, like I, I hated hated being a girl. I wouldn't play with makeup. I <laughs> didn't play with dolls. Uh, I had stuffed animals. I loved stuffed animals. They were all men. All of my stuffed <laughs> animals were men, and we would play war. I played war with my stuffed animals. And I threw, like, everything that my parents gave me or my, like, aunts gave me that was, like, pink and purple or, like, frilly or whatever, I would throw in the back of my closet and never look at again. I only wore black and leopard print and, like, leggings. I hated skirts. Once I was able to dress myself, I stopped wearing, like, the cute little girly things that my mom made me wear. and, um, And I just, like... And I, I wanted to be a boy. Like, the truth is that I wanted to be a boy for a very long time. All I wanted was to be a boy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, it took a lot for me to grasp, you know, being a girl and to, to enjoy being a girl. Mm-hmm. And this is, like, that's a really weird thing. And I, I, sure. I didn't say it, that to anyone until about two years ago. I finally felt comfortable saying that to people. Of course. And, um, you know, back then, like... I mean, transgender was a thing, but it wasn't a thing I knew about. Sure, of course. And and I I just, like, I didn't even think about it. And I did think about, like, what would it be like if I just decided to start living as a dude when I was in high school? I I started thinking about that. And then, um, and again, like, everyone had always been calling me cute, and I hated it. And then I finally met this guy that I really liked, and... And he was like the high school bad boy. He was a second year senior. He had been in military school, and then he got kicked out. And and then he was a second year senior in my high school. And he had a car and an eyebrow piercing, and he smoked cigarettes out back. Of and uh, and he he was like super hot to me. <laughs> and he, I like I had an instant crush on him, and I had never like really. Like, I'd had crushes on people, right. but I'd never really crushed on anyone like that before, and, and we wound up dating. Um, he said that he fell for me because he watched me beat this girl with a stick, <laughs> and he found that really great. This is the sort of person I was. Anyway, and so then, like, I had sex, and I was like, wow, I like being a girl. This is great. <laughs> I have all these perks of being a girl that I never expected, like having a vagina is amazing, and it feels really good. And uh, once I started realizing that I was cute, like, when I got past puberty and, and I, I started to, like, come into my own or whatever, uh, people would, like give me stuff for free and I never had to stay in detention for some reason I was always able to leave even though no one else could and I got arrested once and I got off without anything that's a story I'm not gonna tell probably for the better maybe but you know what I mean I would I just like I got away with so much stuff for being a girl and I finally sort of liked it um so I mean I'm, I'm glad that I didn't wind up changing my gender and in the end like I I've basically felt since then that I am bi-gendered because right. I'm bi-ge- bi-gendered. So, yeah. um, like, doing Danger Dude was just me expressing that, especially right. because, uh, you know, at the time I still didn't feel comfortable telling anyone that I felt that way. Right, You sure. know, I, I didn't feel comfortable. Um, and so doing drag made a lot of sense. And I don't know. I just, I fucking love being a guy. 
I mean, <laughs> it's pretty great. That, there you go. It's kind of awesome. I don't know. I feel good. I feel good about it. I wish that I didn't sound like a cartoon pony because <laughs> then maybe I could sound more like a dude. Wow. Uh, but that's, you know, less important. Okay. You know, but I, I do, I do. Basically, it's just it brings out a different side of me. Mm-hmm. It's it's gonna be a little harder now that I have these uh, bionic tits um, to do drag. But I do like that's kind of the only reason why I haven't done, done it again. Dude, in yeah. a while is like I went with this, you know, this decision to present very femininely, sure, outwardly. So. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to just make it a part of it that I now have massive bionic tits. Sure, why not? Yeah. Dudes can have tits too, right? Yeah, why not? Sure. Yeah, totes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, um, I want to talk a little bit before we start wrapping up about what you see kind of your future in burlesque and performance is going to be like big next steps for you. And then maybe segue into like what's coming up. Obviously, the Comic-Con show, which I mentioned will be this October in New York. But, like, what big shows are coming up that you want to direct people to? This will be up this Tuesday yeah. as of when we're recording. So if you want to promote some shit, please do. Yeah, cool. But um, but let's start with, yeah, what do you – because we talked earlier about how you feel yourself evolving and changing and growing. Yeah. So what do you think, like, the next big thing is that you really want to do, whether it's production-related or performance-related? You know, it's a really good question. I feel like I'm at a interesting crossroads in my life as a performer where – I think I've made a lot of incredible acts. I have, as of this moment, I have like 30 numbers. And that is just way too many. So um, I think my real next step is paring those down into the ones that I think um, really mean a lot to me and like express me as an artist. Mm -hmm. Um, And and doing that uh, and really honing in on them and improving myself as an artist and as a dancer and that sort of thing so that I can tell my stories a little bit better. I am super interested in, I have been, I have been writing a script. Ooh. <laughs> I have been writing a script. I'm, I'm not going to talk about it too much because okay. it, it takes, it takes, you know, like you get nervous about this stuff. Sure, Basically, I think, I think the real next step for me is to, because I am, primarily a storyteller and you know a th- theatrically inclined human being i really want to make a larger um production type show mm-hmm. so i've been writing this script um that i'm hoping i will be able to get um both some original like animation for mm-hmm. and an original score for Ooh. um and have you know, cast people who are both great actors and great burlesque performers um, who are either willing to do acts that I have made or are willing to create brand new acts. I'm not sure. I haven't thought about it too much because if it's entirely my vision, that's really cool. But there is also something interesting about having other perspectives informing this you know, initial storyline, because mm-hmm. isn't that the truth of life, right? Is right. that no matter how self-involved your storyline is, you always have these other voices informing it. So, I mean, that could make a lot of sense, but I want them to be specific to that show. Um, it, it is inspired a little bit by, um, you know, sort of ancient viking culture and also the 80s movie heavy metal (laughs) excellent that's what i like to hear so we'll we'll see we'll see we'll see how it turns out right now it's it's interesting because when people make burlesque productions um 
99% of the time they're comedic. And that sure. makes a lot of sense. Burlesque of has its roots in comedy and satire, obviously. Sure. And I want this to be more serious because, I mean, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's important for me to tell the story that I would tell. Sure. Right? Um, I do think that more theatrical burlesque production is the future of burlesque. I agree. I don't think that it's the only future of burlesque. Sure. You know, it's a very malleable, you know, art form, and I and I love that about it. I mm-hmm. love that it comes in so many different forms, and you can do so many different things. So don't sure. get me wrong. I, I don't think that it's the only future of burlesque, but I do think that it is a future of burlesque that can make it go to the next level where it's more you know, societally acceptable, I guess, and mm-hmm. more, not mainstream, but but large enough that people who who are really good at it can actually make a, a living, living. Right. out of burlesque, which, you know, as, as we've talked about before, you kind of can. Sort of, yeah. Now, but you're like, you're right on the edge all the time, just yeah. right on the edge. You gotta hustle your fucking ass off. Yeah, sure. Like any artist, but... You know, I, I would love for it to be more sustainable for the people who really deserve for it to be. Absolutely. Um, of which there are so many. There's yeah. so many people who, who really deserve that, not just in New York, all over the world. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I think those are my next big steps. I have, in terms of, like, shows specifically coming up, I am producing a metal show on the 4th of July at nice. St. Vitus cool. uh, in Greenpoint, which is a fucking awesome venue. Uh, and I, I'm calling it bare metal, <laughs> uh, red, white, and brutal. And <laughs> of it's, course. It's burlesque that is um, backed by all-American metal bands. Nice. Um, and that's going to be fucking cool. Um, there will be more info about that on their website and um then what else do i have coming up shoot there's so many things oh i'm going to be in the thunderdome show with was bosco at the Mm -hmm. end of july Um, and you can see that at smartnaked.com and i am headlining the michigan burlesque festival in september congratulations that's awesome thank you and i am also doing uh, Geektastic, which is an awesome nerdlesque event in August in North Carolina. And I'm also doing a, I, th- I think it's called Frankly Burlesque in mm. Boise, Idaho in early September. Cool. And that'll be a really cool, and I'm hosting that one too. Awesome. It's going to be so fun. And obviously we have the Comic-Con show, um, which you should really just follow me to find out more info as we have it because right now it's in between two days. It's either going to be October 7th or 8th, but I should know soon, hopefully. Um, but that's going to be so good. Comic-Con Vixens, you can follow me at DangerDoll, D-A-N-G-R-R-R, doll, like a Barbie doll, but dangerous. <laughs> with But growly, like there's no E and three R's because I am insane. Uh <laughs> So, you know, that's going to be incredible. Um, We are going to have some absolutely stunning performers from all over the country. That's awesome. That's really cool. Including the one and only Sela Chu. Excellent. But so far, the lineup this year is 
out of this fucking world. That's great. It's That's out awesome. of this world. So. It's very cool. I'm, yeah. I'm as someone who cares about you greatly and knows that you know the last couple of years hadn't always been smooth sailing. I'm so happy that you're finding Oof. these places to do awesome art and Thank you. that people want to support you to do it because yeah. you deserve it. And so Thank I'm glad you. that it's happening. Um, so find Danger Danger Doll on the Facebooks, Twitter, Instagram. Are you on Tumblr? You are on I Tumblr. I am on Tumblr. That's where I post all the naked stuff. So if you want to see the naked stuff, trust me, <laughs> go to Tumblr. <laughs> We're seeing. Um, what I thought was actually really, um, and this is kind of a side note, really artistic and beautiful is when you did comparison shots on your Tumblr of pre- mm. and post-surgery, I think as someone who's a role model and someone who is comfortable with their body, it was super important and super cool to just see someone present that because that's Thank super you. personal. And yeah. I thought that was really cool. It is very personal. I, You know, what's interesting is that I have gotten both both praise and flack for being very outspoken in this community. Um, mm-hmm. but there's something that I've learned about myself over the years is that I don't feel good if I if I shut my mouth. <laughs> um, and, and that sounds really terrible, but basically what I'm saying is that, you know, art, art isn't comfortable. Right. It's just not. And, and there's no such thing as a safe space, even when you want it to be. Mm-hmm. And the way that we make things better is by making art, and the way that we make art is by challenging the things that are laid ahead. Burlesque is a very interesting art form. It's still very new. Uh, so many people will say, no, it's not. It's been around for forever. And it has been around for forever. There was burlesque in, in the 50s, whatever. But, you know, those women who are incredible and amazing and, and role models, they were doing something else. Yeah. You know, like, we, we have that sort of burlesque now, and it's beautiful and incredible. But burlesque itself has a very different meaning and a very different purpose than what it used to back then. And, you know, so what we're creating, there really aren't any guidelines. There's no rules. There isn't an established sort of industry parameter or or safety net. Um, And so sometimes things happen and people are afraid to say anything because they they don't want to be booked or they don't you know they don't want to cause drama and right. uh, I just don't care about that <laughs> um, so I mean and basically what I'm saying about that is is when when I decided to get my well, okay. I decided that I wanted to get my boobs done when I was like 17. Sure. I'm I'm going to say that now. So like many moons ago. But mm-hmm. when I when I finally had the funds to do it and um and I knew that like it was time, I I had seen so many people get weird like backstabby comments yeah. um for for getting, you know, implants and and you know never wanting to acknowledge it and it's people shame people people shame women for for uh implants and and what i decided was you know there's nothing fucking shameful about doing with your body whatever you want to do with your body to identify yourself in the way that you are because what is uh you know what is any sort of cosmetic surgery if not basically a personal identifier sure. or a gender identifier or whatever mm-hmm. like there's no difference it's all an identifying you know thing and there should be no shame attached to identifying yourself the way that you need to identify yourself if yeah. you have the capacity and the money to do it you know people should support you in that um you're making that decision for yourself but people always think that you're getting breast implants so that you can satisfy some someone else's some mystical days sexual fantasy and no motherfucker i just wanted to grab my own tits and i <laughs> i you know i i um 
So I decided I wanted to be very, very public about the process. And and I'm I'm really glad that I have been. I've never had any shame about nudity, so like that's right. not uh, it. I don't even find nudity to be particularly sexual in myself or anyone else. Sure, it's what you do when you're naked that's sexual, I right? I agree. Um, and I, I legitimately I find it so horrible how much shame is given to to people who choose to do cosmetic surgery mm -hmm. not just in general society but especially in the burlesque industry and not because it's an especially problem but because we make such a a show of being body positive mm -hmm. um you know and supportive and then to shame women who decide that they want to have breast implants is just as bad as shaming someone who who is you know larger than the societal standard and has no problem being so right you know both of those things are, are equally horrible yeah. and you know i've heard comments like oh well that show's gonna be terrible because everyone in it has fake tits like like having fake boobs means that you know suddenly you have no talent like you've lost yeah. all your talent because you have and also like just the term fake boobs is so stupid yeah it's a stupid so i i always call them bionic boobs i'm touching them right now you can't see that no i can the, so he, he i'll can. enjoy it but, but you i touch can. them all the time <laughs> well, um why wouldn't you but i don't call them fake because you know just the term they're fake they're they're part of, they're here for fucking ever until yeah. something happens you know and calling them fake implies that they're somehow less than or cheap right. or a knockoff sure and they're not like they're not gonna get up and walk out in the middle of the night you know Got they're it. not I'm an not. illusion it's not a hologram they are <laughs> in my chest i feel them every day all day all the time this is like the boy side of me i you never stop touching my your my own tits. boobs i'm sure you know women are happy to do that, do that too but like i do it all the fucking time and what's interesting is on women i like i tend to find smaller breasts more attractive like on other women but like but like i feel like i look at myself and i'm like one of those like dudes with the wolf head and the big cigar i'm like i just want big fucking tits big fucking tits it's terrible um they make me so happy. But anyway, so so I I wanted to do the comparison shots, you know, and I think I think it really shows, you know, when when I was before and after I was getting them done, people kept being like, "Oh, well, your body looks so great now," or like, you know, I really yeah. liked you before and I really like you now, you know, showing like this sort of like subtly shaming yeah. <laughs> remarks, you know, um, the the best. A subtly shaming remark that I still get is uh, when people are like, I'm so glad you didn't get comic book tits. That's one. Uh, I love that one, you know, which is also like makes me so angry because that's so mean to all the women who naturally have gigunja breasts, you yeah, know, sure, like, what are you saying? Like, who cares? Yeah, people have this habit of deciding what they think is right and wrong, and it's a bummer. I mean, as like the epitome of privilege being a white dude yeah i you know i i always try and support everybody and give my voice to that but it's like it's just seeing what people get away with and say uh, becoming involved in the burlesque industry slight tangent becoming involved in the burlesque industry is the biggest eye-opener of my entire life because yeah. seeing what a lot of my female friends go through some of the male but mostly my female friends go through on the internet like on instagram private messages on the street it's just it's eye-opening and it's horrible 
And so I think that's why I wanted to bring it up before we wrapped up because I think it's super important because I know people who've told me that you're a role model to, to them and Aww. so and they look up to you. And so doing something like that is important to the community and I think just important in general. So Yeah. Well, I believe very strongly in being true to yourself and, you know, and true to your intentions. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm not... I'm not going to pretend that like I'm not flawed. I'm super flawed. But the one thing that I feel like I'm good at is owning the mistakes that I make and have made, you know, and and still have, you know, coming. Sure. <laughs> the many mistakes that I will inevitably make, you know, from here on out. And uh, and I'm I'm willing to admit that. And I think people feel so much shame about not not being perfect or about like how they think that they're supposed to be, mm-hmm. you know. In whatever way that that is, whether you feel shamed by the burlesque community for not being feminist enough or whether you feel shamed by society for being too feminist. Right. You know, like all of these things are terrible. You shouldn't feel shamed by any side. And the truth of the matter is that inevitably you just have to like throw it all to the wind and, and legitimately only give a fuck about are you being as good to yourself you know, and about yourself as you possibly can. Are you being yeah. the best version of you that you can? This is a very Jewish thing. Yes. You know, it's, it's you know, uh, Yom it's Kippur two Jews, or whatever. Two Jews at a table together, yes. <laughs> Yom Kippur, for those of you who are not Jewish, your uh, uh, Christians have Talk Lent. Uh, yes. Lent well, is sure. a thing where you're supposed to, like, feel guilty for a month because you're a horrible human being and everything sucks, right? Every, Jews are efficient. We get it done in two we, days. We do it in two days. And so what it is is, like, you're not supposed to, like, give anything up or, like, feel guilty. What you're supposed to do is you fast so that you'll be insane while you <laughs> think about um, all of the things that you've done wrong. But instead of just thinking about the things that you've done wrong and feeling guilty about them, which is what I guess Christians do for Lent, I've been told I could be wrong. I don't know personally. But, uh, you know, as a Jew, you're supposed to think about all the things you did wrong. And instead of feeling bad about it, you, th- you think, how can I do this better mm-hmm. next year? Sure. How can I be how can I use this situation in a better way? How can I be a better human being, both to myself and other people? Because when you fail other people, you fail yourself too. Sure. And so usually when like when I make mistakes that hurt other people, I feel terribly. Sure. Because I know that I've made this huge mistake, you sure. know, and, and sometimes you can't come back from that. But that's that's really what it is, is is being aware of your flaws and owning them and, you know, just being true to yourself in every way you're going to just have, I don't know. That's that's how I live my life. Well, it's so. a good, good way to live, Danger Doll. So thank you for... <laughs> that makes me a role model, I guess. <laughs> that's great. Um, but, um, but thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate yeah. it. This has been a blast. Um, thank you so much. Please go follow Danger Doll on the internets. Um, anywhere you can find her, you can find her through through me on, on the internets as well. I follow her everywhere I can, uh, both <laughs> in life and on the internet. Um, so thank you for joining uh, joining me. Um, the last thing I'd ask you to do is we have a sign-off on both podcasts. It's a motto that I came up with, which I like to have our guests say. It's music is life and life is good. So could you please close our show with our motto? Music is life and life is good. If you enjoyed these interviews, please subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to post in the comment area below each post. And keep the discussion going, because remember, 
Music is life, and life is good.